locations, we love you. Our Brussels campus makes some noise. Our location in Austin, Texas. Both of our God Behind Bars campuses. Everybody watching online, we love you. Guys, give away one high five and take a seat. Welcome to church, man. Let's have church today. You guys excited? Excited to be here? I like that, man. I hope you know that there's no such thing as a normal Sunday or a normal Saturday. There's really not. Um, love you, Doug. Hey, love you, man. Love you. Man, this is, the local church is God's plan for his kingdom come, his will be done on earth, in Denver, in Austin, in Brussels, as it is in heaven. Like, we get that, right? Like, what we do here matters. And when you show up here, when you serve at this place, when you give to this place, and you invite people here, and you lead here, like, you are, you are participating in God's plan A. And there's not a plan B. It's the local church. It's his bride. And it's, we, like, we are not perfect, but he loves he loves the church, man. And I can tell you, like, I, I don't know your story. I don't know where you've been, what you've done, or what you believe, or where you're going. But I promise you, I promise you, God can look at you right here, right now, knowing the end from the beginning, everything you've ever done, everything you'll do, and say, I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm for you. You're my kid. And that's not, that's not worthiness dependent. That is a fact stamped on your birth certificate. And it's true regardless of how you feel. Amen? And so, man, let's solidify that before we, before we do anything else. Let's solidify that in our hearts and invite his presence here. I know it's already here, man, but it never hurts. It never hurts. It, ne it should never get old, the, the, the concept that we are conversing with the creator of the universe, because that's what we're about to do. So pray with me. God, we love you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for a church to call home. I know you're always present. I know it's us who aren't most of the time. And so increase our, our God awareness. Spirit, you are welcome here. Flood this place, God. Let us become more aware of you. God, that you have such a word for us today, and I can't preach it into, into the hearts of people listening, but you can plant it there, and I pray in the name of Jesus that that's exactly what you do, and I pray that boldly in the name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, if you have, like, who has a Bible? Hold them up high. Okay. I love that. Oh, there we go. You're going to go to Philippians chapter four. We're going to read four verses, just four, but I promise you it's all we need. Who, who knows who wrote Philippians? Paul. Where was Paul when he wrote Philippians? Prison. Look at you little theologians. All right. Okay, here we go. Philippians, uh, okay, so bear in mind, Paul was in prison writing this, okay? Philippians chapter four, we're gonna start in verse 10. Here we go. I rejoiced in prison greatly in the Lord, in prison, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. And here you go. You, you, you tune in right here. For I have learned I've learned the secret to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have, once again, for a second time, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, well-fed or whole 30, whether living in plenty or living in want. And then you'll recognize this right here. I can do all of this through him 
who gives me strength. Somebody say amen. There we go. We're going to call this message a crash course in contentment. So you can write that down and notice the fact that Paul says, I, I, I learned the secret to being content. So let's define content just for this message. Like, like nice and simple, we'll just say this, being content, having and being enough. Contentment is having and being enough. And Paul says, there's a secret to it. And I learned it. And if you have to learn something, that means it doesn't come naturally, right? It's been said that contentment is the greatest wealth that there is, which means learning it is the most valuable thing that you can do to, to, to have and be enough in any and every situation is, uh, is better than all the gold in the world. The wealthiest human being is the most content. And so let me, let's do this. Let me make a case for contentment as if I need to. And once I prove to you that we need it, then we're gonna do a crash course in it, okay? And so, so here we go. So we, uh, our world, it feels like everything is speeding up. Is it just me? Like things are changing so quickly. So let's just have a little bit of fun with it and go back like, I don't know, like 10 or 15 years. We'll call it the good old days. Like back in the day, whatever, like it's just 10 years ago. But like when Netflix would send you one movie a month, who remembers that? <laughs> one movie a month, man. Today, you can go home today, sit on your couch, and pick one of 100,000 options. And that's not an exaggeration, okay? 100,000. Who remembers, okay, when The Office was on, what night of the week it was on? Thursday. Thursday. 7 p.m. Thursday. Every thir and, and you couldn't pick your own episode. You watched the episode they gave you, and you watched it with commercials, right? It's like ridiculous. Hard to remember that. And... And if you wanted to go online, you do the five-minute AOL dial-up thing and then all of that so that you could then spend five more minutes uploading a, a photo, like a pixelated picture to your MySpace, right? And now, like, if my Wi-Fi is moving slow, and by slow, I mean if it takes more than, like, more than five seconds to load a, a 4K ultra high-definition video on YouTube, I fight the temptation to throw my laptop through the drywall, you know? And you're like, bro, that's not healthy. I know. Who do you think I'm preaching this for today, okay? Man, who, okay, who remembers uh, this right here? Yeah, you're laughing. I'm just showing you this, and you're laughing at it. Uh, for all you high schoolers, this is a video iPod. And uh, in 2006, this was, this was $400 and the sexiest, slickest machine you had ever seen in your entire life. And now you're like, like, oh, what museum did you find that at? Video iPod? Is that, uh, am I saying that right? After church, you can, you can go eat a meal at one of uh, like a thousand different restaurants in one of the greatest cities on the planet. And they'll bring you a meal that you did not have to grow or hunt, right? <laughs> you have the world at your fingertips in your front pocket. You can watch anything you want. You can read anything you want, right? You could, you could in the next year, if you tried, you could get a, like a free college education on YouTube if you tried, right? This week, you can travel anywhere you want on the entire planet. This week, right? We, like, there are more places to go, easier means to get there, more things to see, do, experience, and watch than ever before. Than ever before. We live in the most entertained, available world that history knows about, and most of us are bored. 
are bored, right? Like the Little Mermaid, like Ariel. But who cares? No big deal. I want more. I want, I'm kidding, I'm not gonna. Spoiled little brat, Ariel. So we need to figure this contentment thing out. Like, we, like culture needs Christians who are content. Because if, as Christians, if we can't figure this out, like, like who can learn the secret to being content? Like, like what is the secret? Is, like, do, is it more stuff? Like just a little bit more money? More Instagram followers? Like, like do we need, is it 200,000 options on Netflix? Like is there just not enough entertainment, right? Like do we need like, like more restaurants um, faster Wi-Fi? Like, like, do I just, like, do I just need a spouse? Is that all I need? Do I need, maybe I need to, to, to move to a different city. Maybe it's my location. Maybe, maybe just like a, a new adventure. I need a vacation, right? Like, or just a little bit of a bigger house. And, and here, guys, here, I, that's amazing. I hope you get all of that. Praise God if you do. I'll, I'll totally be the guy who like prays with you. I hope that you get that. I, I really do. But I'm telling you, if you don't learn the secret now, there will come a day where you get all of it and your soul will still sing, but who cares? No big deal. I want more. King Solomon was, uh, he, had, he had more than you and me. Uh, he was the wealthiest, um, most powerful, most connected, most successful. Like there is nobody in history who had more experiences or fame than King Solomon, all the resources of the universe at his fingertips and the wisdom to steward it all. God gave him all of that. And so Solomon's life was essentially one big experiment to use all of that and see if he could find contentment in anything under the sun. And at the end of his life, here was Solomon's conclusion right here. I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another, we'll call that comparison. This too is meaningless. And then watch this phrasing right here, a chasing after the wind. I did this last week just to prove a point to myself. It's getting windy outside right now. Like I challenge you, go, like, go out there and try to catch the wind. And when you can't, let it be a reminder to your heart of the contentment that you're chasing. Because here's the thing, uh, we're moving into the future faster and faster and it's only going to get windier and windier. And if Solomon couldn't catch it, if Justin Bieber can't catch it, like, like do I think I can with the resources I have? Like, like seriously though, we've all heard wealthy people say like, hey, hey, money's is great, but it does not buy happiness. And we hear that and we receive it, but we're still like, ah, oh, but I'm gonna try though, just in case like I'm the exception. And I'm like, hey, go for it. Like be excellent, be successful. Christians should be, but don't do it to chase contentment because I am telling you it is a carrot on a stick. And I think as Christians, man, we need, to, we need to take an honest assessment of the world around us and our own life experience up to this point and intellectually understand that more of what I already have is not the answer and I'm not the exception. I have learned and I have resolved that my name is Doug Weckenman, I am a child of God and I don't have to chase wind 
to find contentment. Why? Because I know the secret. I know the secret that Paul talked about. Paul, the one who said, hey, I've been in the palace and I've been in the prisons. Any and every situation, I learned the secret in both of them, okay? And so he's saying, man, I lived the good life, man. This is Paul. He's, I, I, I've, I, I lived with people in nice houses, man, and had a private chef that, that cooked up a perfect medium rare filet mignon for me every night. It melted in my mouth, man. Like one time, Timothy asked for ketchup for his, and I slapped him in the face and said, get behind me, Satan, right? And like, I, <laughs> prosperity, I, I lived in it, and I learned to enjoy it because I didn't need it. I was content. And then a few days later, I was thrown into a jail cell and chained to a prison floor. And on that prison floor, I learned the exact same thing, the secret in any and every situation. And so here's what I want to do. A crash course in contentment. I want to give, I want to give you two contentment confessions that you can take with you today and speak over your life in what I think are like the two seasons of life where contentment can be the most fleeting. So I wanna do that and then I wanna finish with the secret that Paul was talking about, okay? Sound good? So here we go, a crash course in contentment. Contentment confession number one, here it is. There is meaning in the mess. It's even in alliteration just for you. I work so hard on that. There is, there's meaning in the messy seasons of my life, the painful seasons, the stormy seasons of my life, where, the seasons when, when I can't pretend that I don't need God. Like, I know that I know that I know that I need him. Like, I picture Paul in his cold, dark prison cell, right? Like shackled to his situation and yet writing letters about how content he is and, and praising God. And if we can just have an honest moment in church right now, if, if I'm Paul in that situation, I'm probably not doing that. I'm probably not saying thank you for what's going on around me right now. Like I'm probably taking a few minutes to have it out with the big man upstairs. Like God, like I, I'm not like, I'm not stealing purses from little old ladies, God. Like I'm I'm one of the good guys, at least I think I am. Like, I'm, I'm coming to church, I'm, I'm raising a family, like, I'm tithing, like, I'm trying, and yet, prison, and yet, I'm in heartbreak, and yet, I've experienced loss, I've experienced sickness, I'm being, I'm being gossiped about, like, it, I can't stand up here and in two minutes, confidently unpack all the intricacies that is the mystery as to why God allows bad things to happen. I will tell you, if you're in a painful season right now, um, the pain you feel, like, it's real. It is, it, it's real. And there are better answers out there to your tough questions about God. There's better answers out there than just have more faith, Christian. And like even Sean did a sermon series a few years ago called uh, Blind Faith. It's on our website right now. I'll point you in that direction. I think you'll find a lot of encouragement there. If I can just encourage you right now, like the one thing that I can confidently preach to all of us right now is that because of Jesus, your pain, whatever it is, your pain is not pointless when God is in your life. When Jesus is in your life, there is more meaning to the messiness of your life than you can see on 
the surface. And there is power. I am telling you, there is power that is unleashed when you praise him in the pain. Anybody, anybody can praise God and worship when things are going great, right? Like, like anybody can do that. But, but to, to praise him in a prison cell when things aren't going well, like, go, go read Acts 16 sometime this week. It's Paul and Silas, and they're actually in Philippi, where they started this church that Paul's writing this letter to, and, and Paul, they got thrown in there, uh, and it wasn't fair, the reasons that, like, they were just doing good stuff. Paul actually cast a demon out of a little girl, set her free, and they threw him in jail for it, and the, and the jailer was torturing them in this jail cell, and later that night, they're worshiping and singing. And the Bible says around midnight that night, the earth starts to shake. I mean, you wanna talk about power? Angels show up, like the doors to the jail swing wide open. Like, I'm just saying, it's powerful when you praise him in your pain. I did not say easy. I said powerful. I promise you, some of the most powerful worship nights in Denver have come from Hospital rooms, not arenas. You think of Paul. He's got his, his feet are shackled. His feet, his legs are shackled to his situation, to his prison cell. But his hands in this moment, his arms by choice, by decision are lifted to heaven giving thanks to God regardless of the situation that he's in, right? He's saying, he, he is consciously deciding, okay, I can't control my situation or my circumstance, but I can control my singing. And so for you, your feet right now might be shackled to your current circumstance. You might be stuck in your season. You don't always get to choose those, but you have two free arms and you have the opportunity to make a decision to lift them to heaven and remind yourself and remind the rest of the world that he's good regardless of my situation. And I'm focused on that and I'm bright on the inside. When everything around me is caving in, when everything around me is dark, my soul is light and my soul is bright and I've cultivated that. And he's good regardless, and he'll deliver me. But even if, he, even if he never did, he's still good. That's how good God is, that I can, I can be in a prison and lift my hands and find contentment. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We've all heard that, that verse quoted. Like by, by, that's always quoted by the star player of every winning team in the locker room after the game. Oh, we won because of Christ who gave me strength, right? And like, I don't mean to, like, to belittle that. Absolutely, victory falls beneath the category of all things. I'm just saying, Paul wrote this from prison, man. He wrote this from prison, and so I can win through Christ who gives me strength. More importantly, I can lose and be okay through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. This one's personal. Trust me, like, I can, I can be healed through Christ who gives me strength. And in the meantime, while I'm waiting on my miracle, I can find contentment even in the pain through Christ who gives me strength, right? I, I, can, I can worship him and praise him when things aren't going well and still refuse to resent and still remember to rejoice through Christ who gives me strength because it's Christ who gives me the strength, not my circumstance, right? Conquering lion, 
suffering lamb, Jesus was both. He was both. And there's something about these seasons of of pain or um, messiness or desperation where, where Jesus goes from being a supplement in your life to being a savior of your life. He goes from being one thing about your life to, to your everything, to your, to your everything, right? I mean, look at Paul. God used a guy in chains to teach billions of people about freedom. I can't control my seasons, but I can control my singing. And somehow, somehow, I lift my hands to heaven and I find contentment with the same scenario, just a different song. Because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, amen? There is meaning, man. There's meaning in the mess. Let's keep going. Second contentment confession. I like this. There is, there's magic in the mundane. There's magic in the mundane. So, so most of life is not Instagram posts, right? Like we can be honest and like we're all on the same page. We all agree in church today. A life of contentment has a tiny bit to do with the postable moments and a lot to do with the everyday, ordinary monotonous, mundane hours and days and seasons of following Jesus when there's no sunset and no feet in the sand, right? Like marriage, you can relate this, like this to marriage as well. Marriage has a tiny bit to do with speaking vows once at a ceremony and a lot to do with living out those vows for years and years in the ordinary. But I'm telling you, it's in the ordinary that contentment can be found. There's magic in the mundane. And like, this is, this is most of all of our lives, by the way. All right, so don't be fooled by what you see on your social media feed. Because every human being, and I'm not faulting, like I do the same thing. We post our highlight reels. We do. I'm just here to tell you, God loves your behind the scenes. He does, man. And if there's ordinary monotony to your life, that means you're human, okay? So if you're in that season now where you're just like, man, I'm raising kids, making lunches every day, right? Running errands, doing laundry, doing the dishes. I, I'm not changing the world like I feel like I'm supposed to be. I'm just, I'm going to work, I'm coming home. I'm going to work, I'm coming home. I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying my best and I'm here to tell you, man, there is beauty and contentment to be found in that. And even like there's magic in the mundane and I'll prove it to you right now. Do you remember the story of Jesus feeding 5,000 people with one little boy's lunch? Who, who's the hero of that story? Besides Jesus, because we all know yeah, Jesus, okay. Besides Jesus, who's the hero of that story? The mom who made the lunch. <laughs> the same way she had been making that lunch every day Leading up to it, there is, there's magic in the mundane. It's, it's, it's in this kind of season that comparison kills, okay? When comparison walks in, contentment walks out. Those two things are like Taylor Swift and Katy Perry at a party. They can't both be there. When one comes in, the other leaves, right? Although I heard this week they like made up, so praise God, praise God. I'm actually a big fan of both. When comparison walks in, contentment walks it walks out. 
And so that's why, like Time Magazine recently like said, by far, like more than any other social media platform, Instagram, by far, by far causes more anxiety, the most anxiety, depression, and envy. And if you're not familiar with Instagram, here's a uh, scientific definition I found. Here we go. Instagram, a visually stimulating social media platform intentionally created for every second of everyday reminders that your body is out of shape, that your kids aren't dressed as trendy as your neighbor's kids, that your life is boring compared to every travel blogger and 20-year-old life coach, that your kitchen is shamefully outdated, your home is decorated like crap, your artless posts have uninspired captions, you did a terrible job planning your wedding, and you lead a mundane and humdrum life, unlike everybody else you know, who unlike you apparently have learned the secret to contentment and happiness. And that's a, uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> That's a lighthearted definition because it's, it's dangerously, painfully true. And I'm not telling you, go delete your Instagram. I have one. That's like our prime uh, form of communication with you throughout the week, so don't delete it. Um, but also, unless God's telling you to, uh, but also don't like tell me like, well, I don't have an Instagram. So because I'm not, I'm not talking about a specific platform as much as I'm talking about a specific perspective. HGTV can be enough for you to go, my house sucks. <laughs> I'm not a great interior designer. Oh, compared to Joanna Gaines? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> and I'm not great at basketball compared to LeBron James, right? For me, it's not even, it's not uh, Instagram or HGTV. For me, it's Zillow, like it really is. Sam and I always, man, like we got married, we moved into our first apartment and then we moved into, in with her dad for a year while we saved money to buy a condo and we finally did that and we always, like we dreamed of a house one day. I can't wait to have a house one day, right? And we, we sold that condo and we, we moved to Austin. We moved into an apartment for a little bit where our neighbors were cooking uh, meth in their kitchen and I'm not kidding, like I'm serious. Um, it was like, like, even like there, we were like, oh, we like a house, a house, a house. And then finally, we moved into our dream, like oh my, three bedrooms, man. I have a backyard with a lawn that I can mow anytime I want, man. I can go out there and mow it. Dream come true. You know what I caught myself doing three days ago? Looking at Zillow. At homes I can afford? No. Homes I'll never be able to buy. And even one day, if I could, I probably never would. <laughs> Which can be fun until like, suddenly you're like, all the blessings God given me, it's, God's given me, it's, it's, it's not enough. I'm not, there's no magic in it anymore. Because I'm aware that there's, there's, there's more out there. There is. Comparison kills contentment. And in our culture, comparison's the air we breathe. We just gotta be real about that. It's probably why nobody is content. <laughs> As Christians, we need, we need to get this secret that Paul's talking about down. Because if you don't learn the secret in an apartment, you're not gonna be content in a house. If you don't learn the secret in college, studying for a degree, you're not gonna be content in, a, in any career. If you don't learn the secret while single, you won't be content married and vice versa, Right? If you, if, you, if you don't learn the secret here, you won't be content there. Because even if you get there, 
to the there that you've been idolizing. You won't be able to be there because in order to be there, you need contentment, but you never learned the secret. There's a reason they say that contentment is the greatest wealth that there is. And there's a reason Paul is saying learning it might just be the most valuable thing you can do. And I'm telling you, in the ordinariness of part of your life, there's beauty and contentment to be found in it. Ask the mom who made the lunch that morning. There is, there's magic in the mundane. And so, what's the secret, right? You're wondering it. I'm wondering it. Here's what we don't need is my opinion on what the secret to contentment is. So I'll explain that this way. My freshman year um, in college, I was looking for volunteer opportunities, not because I'm like noble, but I was trying to like, I was like, it looks good on your resume from med school. They like to see that you're well-rounded. And so I was like, okay, I'm, I got a volunteer. And I Googled volunteer opportunities and came across this opportunity to, uh, to coach a little league baseball team. And that came up on my computer screen and I'm like, oh, like this, this is me. I love baseball. I actually peaked athletically in Little League. Like I love big league too. So like I'm in, I am in. I signed up, I showed up for the first day of practice and I walked down to the field. It is the most uncoordinated group of seven-year-olds I've ever seen in my entire life. And I'm, I, I got like pumped. I'm like, this is the makings of a, of a Disney movie, right? I'm gonna turn this motley crew of seven-year-olds into a, a championship li- like little league team. Here we go, right? And, uh, and so I'm like, okay, I, I got them in lines to, you know, stretch and like, cause it's important. Like guys, you know, touch your toes, arm circles, you know, reverse them. You, you have to, your rotator cuff. And if you throw curveballs, which by the way, never, you should never do that under 13. It's bad for your elbow. That'll preach. That's in the Bible somewhere. Um, we're doing like warm-ups, and I look over at the parking lot and this car pulls up and it's one of the dads, he, he, he got there like 10 minutes late. And I could tell he was really eager to be there because he hops out of his uh, car and he's, he's like running down to the field already. And, and, and he's like, he's, he's six foot three, 235 pounds of solid, pure muscle. All right. Biggest smile on his face. And I'm thinking, man, this guy's just a fan of the game. He's just like athletics, like just a fan and, and wants to be part of this. And I, I love the passion. And he ran up to me and, and nicest guy ever, booming voice, massive hands, reaches out to shake my hand and goes, hi, I'm John Lynch. Okay. In case you don't know who John Lynch is, Brussels, if you're watching this right now, John Lynch, an American football player nine-time Pro Bowler. Right now, he is the uh, general manager for the San Francisco 49ers, but back, he played with Elway back in the Elway days, right? And back then, the fiercest, most hard-hitting free safety in the NFL. Meanest guy ever on a football field, nicest guy in real life. And like, so he, he like comes up to the, the, we're huddled in a circle, and he gets down like, you know, in like the universal sports stance, you know, and uh and uh, he looks at me and goes, what are we thinking, coach? And I'm like, John Lynch called me coach. Like, <laughs> this is a great day. And uh, <laughs> with a straight face, looks at me and says, hey, I'm just here to help, man. I just love sports. And I'm like, 
Uh, no, no, I know that you love sports, John Lynch. <clears throat> and I said, here's the deal, Johnny boy. I didn't say that. I was like, uh, Mr. Lynch, uh, one little problem. Um, that's how I felt talking to him. And I, like, here's what I thought. I, I didn't say this. I, th I thought this a few days ago when I realized, oh, this is a perfect metaphor for this sermon, was John Lynch. Here's what nobody on this field needs to know right now. Doug Weckenman's opinion when it comes to sports. Here's what everybody on this field needs to know. John Lynch's opinion when it comes to sports. John Lynch, what do you think we should do right now, right? So transition back to the Bible. None of us need to know my opinion on the secret to contentment. I promise you. We need to know the expert's opinion. The Apostle Paul, the guy sitting in a jail cell on a cold, rat-infested, dark and damp floor with a smile on his face, worshiping and writing letters about how happy and content he is. That's the guy that we need to know the secret from. And so if we go, okay, Paul, what's the secret to contentment? Here it is right here. And it's actually a concept that echoes throughout all of Paul's letters. And the secret to contentment is gratitude. Simply put, and Ben, you can come up, the secret to contentment is, is gratitude. Because check this out. Gratitude takes what you have and makes it enough. Contentment was what? Having and being enough. Gratitude takes what you have and makes it enough. So let's go back to that story of Jesus and the 5,000. Is, is one little boy's peanut butter and jelly sandwich logically and realistically enough to feed 5,000 people. It's not. So what happened? Because something happened, and I went and read it, and check this out. Matthew 14, 19 and 20. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, Jesus, what does he do? He gave thanks. He gave thanks and broke the loaves, and then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people, and they all ate, and they were all satisfied, and they even picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And so Jesus took one peanut butter and jelly sandwich, gave thanks for it, and suddenly it fed 5,000 people. Suddenly, what was not enough just moments ago was... It was because gratitude takes what you have today in the mundane and in the mess and makes it enough. There's a pastor in Dallas named Matt Chandler and he has this Word document on his computer called Don't Cry For Me, dot, dot, dot. And I've adopted it and I now have one on my computer. And uh, one day at my funeral, somebody will be able to read it and they'll read to everybody all the reasons that nobody should cry for me because of all the things I'm so grateful for. Don't cry for me. I got to wake up next to the most beautiful woman in the world every morning. Don't cry for me. I, I, I got to see the Broncos win at least three Super Bowls. Don't cry for me. I got to live in a time in history when you could binge watch all nine seasons of The Office in three days. It's amazing. Don't cry for me. I got to help build the best church in the world, man. You should believe that about your church, wherever you are. Don't cry for me. I'm home. That's how it'll finish. 
And I'm certainly not an expert at this. I think I've made that clear. Um, I'm learning. Here's the thing. I now know the secret to contentment, and so do you. Now we're just learning it, practicing it, cultivating a spirit of gratitude, because what does gratitude do? It takes what you have, and it makes it enough. So I have this, uh, this bracelet here, and I've been practicing this and every night before I go to sleep, because I recently read an article, um, actually, it, it's actually proven that uh, um, while you sleep, your brain subconsciously thinks about all the stuff that you were consciously thinking about in the 30 to 60 minutes before you fell asleep. And so, like, if that is staying up and, and worrying, like for me, I, I, I'd like, it would just be scrolling through Instagram or watching Law & Order SVU until I passed out and fell asleep. And then I'd wake up the next morning ungrateful and terrified and wonder why. And I'm like, it's really, is it really that mysterious why nobody can sleep? <laughs> how, like, how about this? So I take this and for every bead, I just think of a different thing that I'm grateful for. It's like so much better than counting sheep, counting blessings. Because um, then your brain, subconsciously, your neuroplastic brain, and God designed it that way, designed it to be renewed and transformed and not conformed to the patterns of this world. Subconsciously, over time, you start waking up with more of a, a spirit of gratitude and contentment. And there's like, not much about my life really has changed, but suddenly I'm like, okay. It's like, like, no, that's messy. That's painful. That's ordinary. That's unknown. That's good. And in any and every situation through Jesus Christ, I'm finding that I have everything I need. It, like, it, it's more than enough because I'm grateful and that takes what I have and it makes it enough. I, I, I have everything I need. I have enough. I am enough. I have enough. I am enough. I have enough. I am enough, right? Over and over again, intellectually learning and resolving. No, no, no. I'm Doug Wackenman. I'm a child of God. And I don't have to go chasing wind to find contentment in this life. I know the secret. I'm practicing the secret. And when, when pain comes, it's not fun, but I'm okay because I can do all things. And when blessings come, I actually enjoy them rather than my soul singing, but who cares? No big deal. I want more. I have enough. I am enough. I have enough. I am enough. And so Jesus, we love you. God, we love you so much. I just pray for this time, and Holy Spirit, I trust that you're speaking to people individually and whatever it looks like for us to practice this secret that Paul so clearly laid out for us. Reveal that to us this week. Challenge us that, that stuff like gratitude and contentment doesn't come naturally, and so it's okay to be where we are, but it's not okay to stay where we are now that we know the secret. And so challenge us forward. Let us see a generation a day and age where Christians are content as an example to culture. That's a bold prayer, but I pray it, along with all these other things, in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. Red Rocks Church, let's stand and let's worship.